Hello everyone, welcome in here to the Friday Walkthrough. I'm Cole Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. Kansas State gets set to travel down to Stillwater, Oklahoma to take on Oklahoma State on a Friday night. We're going to talk about that game, but before we do, we want to let you know we are sponsored by Booth Creek Wagyu. Remember to elevate your tailgate this season with our friends from Booth Creek Wagyu. Their ranch is located just north of Manhattan and proudly raises authentic Wagyu beef from farm to table. Visit their retail locations in Manhattan and Overland Park or online at boothcreekwagyu.com. Well, Monte K-State, no game this past week. Oklahoma State, no game this past week. Both teams were on a bye week, but both teams now get set for Friday Night Lights, something we have not seen in a long time. Yeah, when I first saw the schedule come out, I had to double-check my calendar. I'm like, that's a Friday night. You know, it's not uncommon for college football to have Friday night games. Our neighbors to the East, KU, they, I think mm-hmm. their first two games mm-hmm. were Friday night games. So uh, I guess it's becoming more popular. I don't like it um, for several reasons. <laughs> it throws my schedule off because I have my high school games and my K-State games and my Sunday games. But uh, And unfortunately, I won't be able to go to the game because I'll be coaching Friday night as well. But I'm looking forward to seeing how the Cats do. It's interesting because this is the first time I we've seen last week BYU played Cincinnati on Friday night. This week, K-State plays Oklahoma State on Friday night. I'll be interested to see if this continues in the you know throughout the new versions of the Big Twelve. I I think that college football on Thursday night has some real value. Yes. Maybe college football on Friday night does too. We'll see what happens for the league. But I mean, this is going to be different for the players. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, thankfully both teams are coming off a bye. I couldn't imagine if we played Saturday, the previous Saturday, and they had a short week to prep for a Friday night game. But luckily, we did have a bye for both teams. And travel-wise, everything's thrown off or moved up a day rather than the normal schedule. But it's kind of be interesting to see. I'm kind of curious to see how much of a crowd would be there because Oklahoma it has really good high school football as well and a lot of pride in it. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how many people in the Stillwater and surrounding area will actually show up uh, for the game being a Friday night or go to the high school game instead. What's interesting is Stillwater High School did move their game, but that's not necessarily the case with the you know surrounding schools. So yeah. um, you're right, and not to mention people have to work during the day, so yeah. the tailgating festivities <laughs> might not be as you know as large as they normally are. I'm sure that won't affect the students. Um, but behind the curtain of all of this is Oklahoma State's mm. success or really lack thereof this this season. They're two and two. But those two wins have been major struggles. And, and we'll go through the stats. And, and I want to talk about when K-State's on offense first versus their defense. But I do think it's worth talking about Oklahoma State as a unit. This team has really struggled, and there are some real concerns with Mike Gundy's group. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm pretty sure there's some grumblings internally and obviously some grumblings externally with the community, uh, with their fan base. And they're beat up. You know, uh, they started the year – without a lot of great depth as it is, and then they have had a few injuries that um, made big differences on offense and defense. And right now, I think they're just kind of stay above water. You know, like you said, they have two wins, and both of those wins were struggles, mm-hmm. and their two losses were ugly. So I'm kind, I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to bring. The thing that scares me is they did have a bye week, and it gives more time to prep, but we also had a bye week. But you never know what team is going to show up. Friday night is different. So hopefully the Cats come ready to play. But right now, Oklahoma State doesn't look too good. Two straight losses for the Cowboys. Um, South Alabama at home, just an embarrassing game, really. Yeah. Shout out Michael Smith, former K-State Wildcat receivers Smith, coach. Smith, hey, my guy. Receivers coach <laughs> at South Alabama was able to get that win. And then, obviously, they lost to Iowa State in just a really ugly game. Um, not two very good teams in that one, but Iowa State found a way to win. Uh, I, I want to talk about this K-State offense now. 
Treshawn Ward likely back for K State. Saw that. RJ Garcia had to come out of the game, but he is also likely back for the Wildcats. This is the healthiest this team has been on the offensive side of the ball all year. As as well as we played against Central Florida, especially the running game, um, I don't think it was a complete offensive uh, show that we are capable of doing. Um, I want to see our receivers do well. I want to see Ward have uh, more touches, obviously, being back and healthy. But I feel like there's so much room for improvement, uh, even though we're playing well, and this is the perfect game for us to improve. There's no question that the receivers haven't lived up to the expectations of a lot of fans and probably the coaches as well. I think they would tell you that. With DJ Giddens having the breakout game he had and mm-hmm. Treshawn Ward back now, what do you think about some 12 personnel? I feel like getting both of those guys on the field at the same time. seems like we've been trying to call for this for the past two years, but now more than ever with the dominant run game effort that they showed against UCF, that seems like something that could really be in the cards this week. Oh, It can be, and, and, and the key part is yeah, having two backs back there is great, um, but having a mobile quarterback mm-hmm. also as well helps out. We all know – uh, that when healthy, Will is, is just as mobile as any other quarterback in the Big 12. He showed at the last game, even though everybody expected him to be a little gimped up from the previous game, but he showed that he still can run and he ran hard. So that's a great opportunity to, to potentially have uh, 12 personnel back there and be really good with it. And you, you want to have both guys on the field. You know, rotation is great and fine, but if you have two dynamic players on the field at the same time, that gives you a better advantage of, of putting up yards and points. I think the impressive part about DJ and Treshawn both is their ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. People were talking to Will Howard today, and he said last year after DJ made a really good catch against TCU on the road, they came back and said, hey, DJ, nice catch. And he goes, thanks. That was my first one since middle school. (laughs) You know, this is is a guy in DJ Giddens who doesn't talk much, but he definitely has the ability. And so I think if they're able to use DJ and Treshawn as pass catchers out of the backfield, not only are you making Oklahoma State respect the run, Mm -hmm. But they have to respect the pass as well. And we always talk about how Ben Sennett is a matchup nightmare. But when you have two running backs who have the ability of receivers as well, it's going to be really hard for those defensive coordinators to decide how they want to manage those two running backs and the tight end. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is the first game in, a, in, a, in a, not a while, but the last couple of games that we have matchups across the board, in my opinion, offensive versus that defense. I feel like our offensive line is better than the defensive line. I feel like our receivers are better than our DBs, and I feel like our running backs are better than our linebackers. So I, I think we have choices, options. Um, I'm sure Coach Klein uh, will have a great game plan moving forward. The question is, who do we want to um, make our main priority? How do we want to get our points? What do we want to work on? What do we want to put on film moving forward? That's the question, and a lot of that takes uh, takes place in, in the meeting room going forward. So I'm anxious to see what kind of game plan he has. Uh, I won't be able to see the game live. I have to watch it recorded, but I'm, I'm anxious to see what they do. And one thing about Oklahoma State, uh, new defensive scheme this year. They are now running the 3-3-5. Seems like every team in the Big 12 has gone to that. I, I want to get into that here in a second, but they haven't exa- exactly done it very well, Monty. They, the, the results have not been good for this defense. Uh, very bad in the red zone. They're 68th in the country um, in the red zone, and same thing on third down defense. Yeah. That is two areas that K-State has had a lot of success of mm-hmm. on offense is in the red zone and on third downs. That seems like a matchup that if K-State is able to exploit, that could really shift the tide in their favor. It could, and you went, you uh, talked about the 335 defense. It's a very popular defense, especially in a, in a pass-heavy Conference like the Big 12, you know, Iowa State, 
was one of the first schools in the Big 12, if not the nation, to make it very popular. And, and the biggest difference is, as well as K-State now, but the biggest difference is uh, when Iowa State had so much success, they had the Jimmys and Joes. They mm-hmm. had the guys that could play, personnel that can that could line up, be athletic enough to be there when you need be. And it's a great scheme if you have the guys to do it. And right now, Oklahoma State didn't have the guys to do it and to do it successfully. And like you said, they struggle. And, and until you get the right personnel in there, no matter what kind of scheme you give, it's not going to be successful. And it's hard because you have to recruit a specific type of player yeah. to run that defense. That's not to say in two years that this Oklahoma State defense won't be really successful in the three three five. But right now, they just really don't have those type of players because yeah. it is. There is a difference. You watch UCF's defense alignment those guys would not be able to play in K-State's three-down front because their body types are just built differently. So I, I do think that that is a, a point worth noting for Oklahoma State. They do have some guys. Kendall Daniels leads the team in tackles at the safety position. Another guy who's been around the block, Colin Klein mentioned him um, when he talked to the media on Wednesday, was Colin Oliver, the linebacker for Oklahoma State. So there is some players who have had some success on that Cowboy team. But when you have a safety leading the team in tackles... <laughs> that's not usually a good thing. Yeah, most people who know football, even people who don't know football, they can kind of figure out if the guy that's the deepest <laughs> in the backfield is making most of the tackles, what are the guys up front doing? What are the guys in the middle doing? And you know, and good for the safety, he's making tackles, but that's usually seven yards, eight yards down the field, if not more. And that's what a defensive coordinator and a defensive team, you never want that. And like you said, Oklahoma State does have players on defense that are good players, but – collectively as a group they don't gel well right now there's a lot of mental breakdown um, and communication and they're not tackling great in open space and that usually leads to losses because of that yeah and i'm glad you brought that up because mike gundy talked about that in his press conference this week the media again with mike gundy it seems like there's some disconnect right now going on in that locker room and with the head coach um obviously I, mike gundy's been around a long time yeah. i personally really like mike gundy i hope they can figure it out obviously not this week um <laughs> but there was some discussion with the media talking about how do you limit big plays because that has been something that's really plagued this oklahoma state defense much like k-state his biggest thing was we just have to tackle yeah. He's like we had yeah. tackles and then we had breakdowns in the secondary and it's a lot easier said than done to say we have to fix tackling. And so they asked him during the bye week, what did you work on? He said, we worked on tackling. Yeah, yeah. I, I just struggle to believe that that can be fixed in a two-week span. Yeah, a lot of time is mental as well. It's not that the kids don't have the ability to be great tacklers, but sometimes young men, even though from the high school to college, even pro level sometimes, mm-hmm. but young men, they tend to get in their own heads and they, they forget – fundamentals and a lot of times coaches take them back to basics and they want to make the big hits but before you can make the big hit you got to get in the right position you know same foot same shoulder you got to uh, track the inside hip don't overrun the play there's little things you can do uh, as a tackler to get better but it has to be a lot of repetition and like you said it's not going to happen overnight but if you do it in your mind if you do it physically it'll come and it'll become second nature and you can do it well without thinking but right now they're just not fundamentally sound Teams have been able to run the ball at will against this Oklahoma State defense. You go back and watch that South Alabama game, and South Alabama just controlled the clock. They mm-hmm. got up early in that game, and they decided, you know what? We don't A, we don't think your offense is good enough to come back and beat us, which we'll talk about major storylines of that Oklahoma State offense in the next segment. But they said, we're going to control the clock because we can run the ball against you. We'll get it to third and three, and then we'll just do a little read option and get a first down. And that's what they did, and they ended up winning the game convincingly. This seems like a game where if K-State gets off to a good start offensively, this could be another blowout. Maybe not 48 nothing, mm-hmm. but if they break their spirit 
through the offense, because I think that's where this needs to start for K-State, if they're able to do that, this could be a really long night in Stillwater. You're right, uh, and, and I'm with you with that, Cole. I, and my hope is, and my, my, my mindset is, what K-State needs to do, they need to go in there, kind of like South Alabama, impose your will, basically dictate what's going to happen, be really physical in the run game, pass when needed just to kind of mix it up, but basically say we're a better team than you, we're going to show you what we're going to do, and you can't stop us. Because if you allow Oklahoma State to have any glimmer of hope, especially a night game in Stillwater, and you give those kids hope, they're going to fight back. And their fans are going to believe in them. And we don't want to have, we don't want to get them any type of hope. We need to score early and often and let them know we are the better team. We're going to dominate. So this game is going to be over before it gets started. And, and hopefully K-State can do that. And it's worth noting that Will Howard is fully healthy now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was there was a question. We thought he probably wouldn't even play. And obviously played the whole game against UCF. He is going to be fully healthy in yeah. this game. I think using the quarterback run game along with those running backs, mm-hmm. it just seems like a game where you look at your offensive line and you say, go be great. Yeah. And if they can be great along that offensive line, K-State is going to score a lot of points. Yeah, we need the O-line to continue to get better. Um, I feel like they um, answered the, the bell last week, two weeks ago, excuse me, because they, they heard the criticism. They see it, and, and, and they understand – well, you know, they're the, they're the stronghold of the offense, and they need to continue to get better. I, I, we need another dominant game from the offensive line this coming Friday, and I think they will. It'll be fun to watch, especially on that offensive side. We'll see what Colin Klein draws up as K-State heads down to Stillwater on Friday night. We'll talk about the defensive side of the ball for the Cats, the offensive side of the ball for the Pokes when we come back for this short break. Welcome back in here to the Friday Walkthrough. I'm Cole Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. We are sponsored by Booth Creek Wagyu. Make sure you get in there. Overland Park, Manhattan, online, boothcreekwagyu.com. Get yourself some beef. You will need some beef. Get off of work. Guess what? After you get off work, there's a football game to watch. 6.30 ESPN, Kansas State versus Oklahoma State. Let's talk about this Cowboy offense before we get into the K-State defense. There's really no other way to put this besides Oklahoma State's offense has been really, really bad. Yeah, they're stagnant. Um, they're not good. They, they struggle to produce points. The, the thing that scares me about this game is, like it's a, we said before in, in an earlier segment, they had a week off to prepare, and they put so much on film because they've tried so much because nothing has been really successful. You don't know what you're going to get. You know, you don't know what to really prepare for. So it could be anything. And Coach Gundy, you know, he – he understands this is a pressure situation. You know, you're two and two, and, and you could potentially lose another game at home, mm-hmm. and, and the schedule they have ahead is not getting any easier. So he understands that. So I think they're going to be desperate. They're going to run trick plays. They're going to run different formation. So I'm kind of curious to see what they do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, offensively at quarterback, they announced on Tuesday that they would be starting Allen Bowman. Uh, started his career at Texas Tech, played a lot of football there, transferred to Michigan, was a backup. Comes to Oklahoma State. He's been in college. This is his sixth year. He's played a lot of football. Um, seen a lot of different pictures. There's not going to be a lot that's going to fool him. But the stats this year have not been very good for Mr. Bowman. Two touchdowns, three picks. As a group, Oklahoma State has played three quarterbacks. And up until the Iowa State game, Monty, they played three quarterbacks every single game, those first three games. Four four drives would go to Alan Bowman. Four, got, four drives would go to Garrett Ringal. 
and four drives would go to Gunner Gundy. And if there was any drives left in the game, they would figure it out from there. But that's how they did it. They decided on Alan Bowman. Have you ever seen a team be successful and play three quarterbacks? I have not, and I'm hoping they keep that same system from Friday <laughs> because if that's the case, nobody can get in the rhythm, and K-State hopefully can rattle all three. So, no, that is odd. But, you know, I'm not an offensive genius by any means, so what do I know? <laughs> Five touchdowns, four interceptions for the quarterback room. As a whole, they're just searching for answers right yeah. now. It makes sense that they want to go with the the veteran and right. Bowman. He has done some good things, more of a check down guy. The big plays just have not been there for Oklahoma State. And if you're a K-State fan, that's got to make you feel good. Or maybe it makes you scared. <laughs> because Oklahoma State traditionally has been a throw-the-ball-down-the-field kind of team. K-State's obviously given up some big plays on defense but this year, Oklahoma State has lived in the mid-range, and it's not even so much on the ground. It's just those short, intermediate routes. I feel like if that's the game plan against K-State, that's not going to work. No, and I think Oklahoma State will be forced. Because, like you said, Oklahoma State has, has a history of having dynamic quarterbacks, up-tempo. They can speed the game up. They get 10 yards on the line right away, another 10 yards, and then before you know it, they're, they're scoring a touchdown. Not the case this year, you know what I mean? And they can't afford to go up-tempo because they understand they want to slow the game down, try to limit as much time uh, to keep K-State's offense off the field because the defense probably not going to hold up. So they, they have to go different. So I, I don't know what their plan is going to be. I'm really curious to see what they come out with. Uh, like I said, the bye week, they have opportunity to do something different. So we'll see. Yeah, and offensively, 127th in the country in passing efficiency. Wow. So, again, quarterback position is huge in college football, and they just haven't figured that out yet. Um, Oklahoma State has 99th in total offense and 100th in scoring. So the numbers are not pretty for the Cowboys. On the flip side, you look at K-State's defense, the, the run defense has been outstanding. Um, sixth in the country in run defense. That is something that they can hang their hat on. They have hung their hat on. And if you take out some of those big, long runs against Missouri, Troy, and then UCF, this this is a top three team, maybe a top two run defense in the country. Either way, you've got to be feeling really good if you're a K-State fan. I am. And one of the things that makes me happy about the fact that we're playing Oklahoma State on a Friday night, a down Oklahoma State team, it allows our young linebacker group mm -hmm. to get, get thrown back into the fire a full game against, I'm not going to say a less opponent, but less stressful situation. And they can learn and see how a game tempo will be. And, and more game on time they get, more game experience they get, the better they get, and they'll be ready for the long haul. So I'm really excited about that for our linebackers group. Glad you mentioned that. Another young guy, Austin Romaine, yep. going to get the start again. Jake Clifton, we did not think he would play against UCF. Apparently, he had a great week of rehab, great few weeks of rehab. He actually played against UCF. That's going to be another guy along with Desmond Purnell. Those three young guys are going to be really the ones that carry the load along with, obviously, the veteran Austin Moore in there. But they did lose a linebacker, Asa Newsom, most likely out for the year. Chris Kleiman said that he would end up redshirting. He got hurt in practice. So that was a guy who was on the two deep that won't be seen in the field. But other than that, you look at this linebacker room yeah. and – Man, this just feels like a great opportunity for guys like Austin Moore and Desmond Purnell to really make some plays. Mike Gundy talked about K-State's front seven, and, and when he mentioned it, he said, you know what, they run the same defense they have. They're not as experienced, but they still create those havoc plays. He knew who Daniel Green was. He knew who some of those defense alignment were. He called Desmond Purnell number 32. <laughs> Either way. Desmond Purnell is making a name for himself. He is, and I'm happy to see another local kid. You talked about him uh, in previous uh, shows, and I'm happy to see him 
make a name for himself, and he's a leader. And it's one of those guys, like, you know, it's funny. A lot of the K-State guys, they have really good personalities, but they're really quiet guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's fun to see these guys grow because Desmond came in as a safety, and he's now a linebacker, and that speed translates well to his position. They can blitz him. They can have him drop in coverage. Uh, he's a great spy on quarterbacks if need be. So I, I look to see him continue to improve and become a leader uh, in that linebacker group and on defense as well because he's only a redshirt sophomore, correct? Mm-hmm. Even though he's a redshirt sophomore, he's still young. Mm-hmm. And the other guys that are playing behind him are even younger, either true sophomores or true freshmen as well. So the future looks bright for K-State linebackers. As it relates to this game on Friday night, I'm very curious to see what Oklahoma State does. You know, maybe they'll throw those mid-range passes. But when you look at their run offense, their leading rusher is Ollie Gordon. He's a good back. He has 230 mm-hmm. yards on the season. Oklahoma State as a unit has 487 total rushing yards. Now, this does take into account sacks, which is a big thing that Oklahoma State has struggled with. The quarterback has been sacked a lot, and Mike Gundy talked about that, saying the offensive line has to play better. He says if the offensive line plays better, then everything works better. And and I agree with that, but you still got to have guys who can make plays. With that being said, 487 total yards for Oklahoma State on the ground. Kansas State has rushed for 794 yards. Yeah, the contrast is very apparent right there. Um, and, and Mike Gundy, he, he's a great coach, like you said. This year's a down year, and he's right. The O-line has to be better. And I can see Mike Gundy potentially rolling the pocket, um, having an H-back mm-hmm. back there for extra protect, protection uh, because you have to. But even when they do go spread or even empty or, or two-by-two, your, your O-line has to hold up. And I can see Khalid Duke having a heyday. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody in our line can block him one-on-one. And when it, when he brings pressure, uh, he's gonna he's gonna make the pocket the, the pocket collapse, and the quarterback has to make a decision: Do I step up into those young linebackers, or do I get out and try to make a play? But either way, I think that's gonna uh, be a, better for us than Oklahoma State. There's two ways of looking at this for the K State's defense. Do you want to blitz and try and make Allen Bowman make a split second decision and maybe make the wrong one? Or do you feel like you can get pressure with your three down linemen? Because between Khalid Duke, between Brendan Mott, between Nate Matlack and you throw Uso Sayamalu in at the nose guard, I feel like they have a really good chance to get pressure on the quarterback with three down linemen. And if they do that, man, it just opens up Pandora's box defensively. It will. And I think Coach um, uh, Klanderman will, will probably do a mix of both. You know, based on uh, down and distance and situational football, he'll do both. You can, you can zone blitz. You can just get a rush. With a three-man line, you can uh, drop a backer and, and bring a corner. I, I see in K-State bring corner blitzes when mm-hmm. nobody expected and have success. So I think Coach Klanderman will have his uh, playbook ready to roll and basically use it as needed. But uh, you want to sit back, long distance, just bring a three-man rush and keep everybody else back. But uh, we definitely are the better team, and we have opportunities to, to basically do what we want to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that, especially on this side of the ball. I think if K-State – we talked a little bit last segment about K-State's offense – but Oklahoma State's offense has really struggled. Mm-hmm. This is a get-right game for this K-State defense. You throw into the fact that the secondary had two extra weeks of practice. Mm-hmm. We talked about it in the last show, but if there's any group of positionally on defense that can get things fixed, right. you feel comfortable about that secondary because of the, rep, the, the, you know, the recognition that the coaches have throughout the industry. These are two coaches in Van Malone and Joe Klanerman who are usually able to get the job done. And I think it's worth noting that VJ Payne and Kobe Savage, two guys that have started the last, you know, started most of last season, the end of the year anyway, and then obviously started the year at safeties, switched spots. Uh-huh. So Kobe Savage is now playing the deep safety role. VJ Payne is more coming down in the role of being the tackler. Uh-huh. 
I'm very curious to see how that translates throughout the course of the Big 12. Yeah, I think that's that's, that's a great move, actually. And, and me being a former safety, I understand body types and I understand skill sets. Mm-hmm. And, and Kobe being the senior leader, you normally want a, a guy that's a leader, deep, the deepest safety, the, the free safety, the high safety. And, and, and Payne, he's a great tackler as well. He showed it last year in the Big 12 championship game. He's a long body, and he can do a lot of things. He can come up on a run. He can press on, his, on the slot receiver. And he can also um, fit into the box if need be. So I think that's a great move. And, and Kobe's a little bit shorter mm-hmm. for compared to some of the other guys not by any of his own doing, mm-hmm. but I think him being deep and kind of controlling and getting everybody lined up will work well for us moving forward. So I'm anxious to see how that works. I look at Kobe Savage in this new position, and he reminds me of Tyron Matthew. Yeah. That's a guy that, a and Tyron player. Matthew, who he can play that deep safety position, but he can also come down and play linebacker in the box. Just because those two guys switch positions doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. Right. It honestly wouldn't shock me to see in specific spots – Hey, VJ, you go play the deep safety. We're going to bring Kobe down in the box on this play. I, I think that would work out really well. And I just I love how much flexibility this K-State defense has. They are going to flex their muscles against Oklahoma State. Make no, make no bones about it. Oklahoma State might hit some big plays against this K-State defense. Mm-hmm. But I expect K-State to put Oklahoma State in some uncomfortable positions. Yeah, I agree. And it's one of those things where – um, we we got dudes. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got dudes, and, and they have some dudes, but we got more dudes. And, and our guys can make plays, and we can switch them around and understand. And they're smart enough to make adjustments on the fly, and they're smart enough to be in a new position and not make mistakes. So I'm excited for that. And, and moving forward, you you don't know who to prepare for as an offense, so that gives us an advantage also. Yeah, I mean, you look at this K-State linebacking core, you look at this K-State secondary, and there isn't a lot of experience. But the more the season goes on, the more experience they get, the better they're going to get. Because you're right, there are some guys that have great talent on this K-State defense. There might be more talent in the linebacking core and in the secondary than there was on last year's team, which is crazy to think about because there's three NFL draft picks in that secondary. Well, two NFL draft picks and obviously Echo Boydo being on the Chiefs practice squad. But Willie, Jacob Parrish, Kobe Savage, all those guys, if they can play up to their potential, are game changers. You're right. And, and talking about linebackers, I'm sitting here laughing, not laughing, but kind of smiling in my head. <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to play with uh, a group of linebackers, and, and I can name some guys that you recognize, but they were all studs and all mm-hmm. dudes. Uh, Travis Oaks, Mark Semino, Jeff Kelly. Um, who am I forgetting? There was a couple more in there as well that played that were just dominant uh, players. Like, uh, But Mark and, and Jeff inside were just – amazing and travis was kind of unsung hero super quiet but it was consistent was consistent and there's a group of guys that made plays and they were leaders of that defense and they as a they went our defense went and defense is always top five when those guys were there so just phenomenal players as well it's it's great because you see so many similarities between this k-state defense and some of the great k-state defenses of the past i think it's going to be time this defense starts to click it in gear let's get to our predictions as we wrap up the show here K-State, 11.5-point favorites on the books. Um, I'll let you go first. What is your score, and what's uh, what's one bold prediction you have? Um, 45-17, uh, Cats, obviously. Uh, that's my score. And, and, and I'm generous with the 17, but I'm giving Oklahoma State 17 just because it's a night game at home, and, and, and Coach Gunny understands they're, they're back into the corner. And like I said, you know, you back a dog into a corner, they're going to either fight or lay down. I think they're going to fight early, but eventually we will win. But um, 45-17, and my bold prediction is K-State will have three 
turnovers, at least two interceptions and one fumble recovery. We are on the same wave because I was going to pick a score really <laughs> close to that and go with the turnovers. But since you stole my thunder, I'm going to go with another score. I'm going to go 42-14. You know, I don't usually pick blowouts on this show because right. I like to give the other teams some respect. And I think there is some of that with Oklahoma State. The intangibles are there for the Cowboys for them to try and make this a game. I just don't think they have the horses to do it. And there is some stuff going on behind the scenes that might not be the best. So I do think K-State runs away with this game. I see it being a game for maybe a quarter and a half. But there's going to be some big plays that K-State is going to bust off that are really, really going to hurt the Oklahoma State Cowboys. For a bold prediction, I'll say Treshawn Ward gets in the end zone twice. Okay. Welcome back to the team. Treshawn Ward, two touchdowns. K-State over Oklahoma State, both of our predictions. Next week, we got another fun game. K-State travels on the road to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech, but they got to take care of business in Stillwater first. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Congratulations on making it to your weekend. We'll talk to you next week.